Hey, everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And as I say every day, well, we got a great one for you because you know what? These artists are always great. And we got J.D. Shelburne on, and we've looked at his resume, looked at everything he's done, and he's really moving some things, especially in Kentucky. And we're really extra proud of that because Sandy's, not for y'all that don't know, Sandy's from Kentucky. So this should be interesting. Yes. So, J.D., are you here? I am here. It's good to see some kinfolk in the house. Sandy, absolutely, yes. <laughs> like I said while I go, I I I stole her from Kentucky and made her a Georgia girl. <laughs> but born and raised in Kentucky, that's <laughs> proud but, of but it. You know, when we married over seventeen years ago, I actually told her we we came to an agreement. If it's basketball, we root for Kentucky. If it's football, we root mm-hmm. for Georgia. Deal. That's a good yeah. deal. That's, that's fine. Yeah, it's pretty as good deal as, there. Now, granted, now, now, granted, past few years, Kentucky's been doing pretty good in football. It's been, you know, it's really been interesting. That, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, they're going to be a team to reckon with in the years to come. We they really have, man. It's been really, it's been nice to, to see our football team kind of make the climb and, People start. People are starting to respect us that really didn't before, and you know we mm-hmm. we've, uh, you know, we won a bowl game this year, and uh, it's nice to be able to turn on the NFL draft and see see our players get drafted too, you know. And so we really, oh uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming for our football program because our basketball is, you know, we're the winningest team in college history, and we've got eight national yeah. titles, and oh, you know, it's, it's hard to excel in the SEC football, and so Kentucky's starting to make a little bit of wave. We're loving it. I remember mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, Sandy was so excited because the first five games they Kentucky won. So man, because I think at that point they ain't been to a bowl game in a while, and was like, well, it's almost impossible not to go to a bowl like, game. But yes, talk- it's gonna be a great and they season. Didn't, finally. They didn't win no more. <laughs> yeah, that was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, we had, I think we had a quarterback injury or something. We we had a bad injury with one of our star players, and I may have been yeah. a quarterback. It was pretty much – I don't yeah. remember exactly what happened. Yeah, it was – and now with basketball season, with this whole COVID-19 going on, you know, we had a oh, chance to go before this year, so. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen. Right. I know, it's, crazy. <laughs> it's been crazy. So as we get started here, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from. Of course, we know Kentucky, but where are you from still, um, specific. <laughs> and um, a little brief overview of you and a few hobbies you like to do outside of music. Well, uh, my name is J.D. Shelburne. I am grew up in a small town on my parents' tobacco farm. Uh, grew up uh, playing sports. I played on about every sports team in my, our county had to offer. I uh, didn't really play any music growing up. Didn't really play guitar at all. Just uh, sang to the radio like most kids do. Uh, when I moved off uh, to college in 2002, I graduated high school in 2001. I moved to college in 02. My grandmother passed away unexpectedly, and uh, that's kind of where music came into my life. Uh, I I ended up discovering a guitar in her house that she had left behind. Uh, Ended up taking that guitar back to college and started teaching myself to play songs. And and along with teaching myself guitar, the voice kind of came naturally. And uh, next thing you know, I was playing for friends, and anybody that would head over to our house on a weekend night or whatever, I'd usually bust my guitar out and play some songs. And that kind of led into, um, you know, playing events i'd get called certain friends would work for different events and i'd show up and play and next thing you know i, I was starting to you know travel to, to close to i would drive to louisville louisville's about an hour from where i went to college and they had a great 
a great uh, area for live music events. Had a lot of great bars and clubs. And, of course, the Kentucky Derby's hosted there, so they had a lot of festivals. Mm-hmm. I started to kind of build my name in Kentucky. And uh, about the time I graduated college, which was in 2007, um, I kind of shifted mm-hmm. my goals and dreams towards music. And uh, oh, wow. I thought I could give Nashville, Tennessee a shot. I was doing really big shows. I was making a great living. I was building fans every day. And I really thought I had I thought I had a legitimate shot to see what I could do. But I wanted to get those degrees mm-hmm. first in case something didn't work out. And so I've been in Nashville ever since, man. We uh, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind ride for us. Uh, we've had songs on radio, CMT, GAC. Uh, this morning we went live on every single Texas Roadhouse nationwide. Our song stream oh, wow. with a month in Texas wow. Roadhouse right now. It's been a it's been a crazy whirlwind ride. I got a lot of great fans that's, that's been on this board, been on board, and, and new ones I build every day. And so, um, you know, it's been it's been nice to to get out. And uh, with this this whole COVID nineteen thing has kind of changed things, but I've still been able mm-hmm. to reach things online. And you know, I'm mm-hmm. an artist that plays shows. I do over 200 shows a year, and so and I've already wow. lost about 30 shows this year so far. So I'm losing a lot of shows, uh, but I ha- I do have hope and faith that they'll all come back stronger. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. But, uh, hobbies I like to do on the road, I like to work out. Uh, uh, my wife and I are, uh, are are very avid in the gym. My wife is also, my wife and I are also expecting our first child, our, our baby boys. Oh, born that's... In the September. So, congratulations. Uh, uh, congratulations. A lot of time, thank you. Spent a lot of time researching that. And other than that, we love to eat and uh, we love to uh, just <laughs> hang out and watch Netflix. Yeah, we got an eight-year-old, which you'll hear from him later because we always bring him on to ask one question in the show. That's great. Yeah. And we also we also have a fourteen-month-old little daughter, and when she gets old enough, we'll include her in the show too because <laughs> we're a family. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> family show here. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's something unusual about you that people find interesting? Well, I tell you, um, that's a good question. Uh, Something that someone would not know. It's unusual about me. Um, you know, I have one hidden talent that I think no one would really know. I can juggle pretty good. Oh, wow. I'm a, I'm oh, a pretty that's good cool. juggler. And I don't know how I figured that out in college. I guess I got bored in college one afternoon and just started picking up like three baseballs or something. And, uh, <laughs> you know, other than that, I'm, I'm starting to be – I'm kind of a history buff. I like uh, I like history. I love country music history. Um mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm a, I'm a huge sports fan. I love to watch sports, and so uh, my downtime when I'm on the road or or hanging out with my wife or mowing the yard, I'm usually watching, kick back in my recliner, watching <laughs> some college sports. Yeah, that is all. Now, now, have you ever been on the Sports Guys podcast yet? I have. Yes, I with, have been on. With, their, I uh, have been on. Okay, because because me and Brandon were kind of partners, and we we cross-promote each oh, other, yeah. and when you said you love sports, I was like, I bet he's been on there. <laughs> I think it was the first of April. I think it was the first of last month I was on there, I believe. Good people. Oh, they were a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, you know, I know you said that um, that, that the death brought music, and it's amazing how the people we've talked to through the through this, you know, couple months, that how something tragic a lot of times happened, and then music come into their life. And that's been an amazing thing, almost like fate and God has just worked the magic to bring some things to light. And that's been awesome. Now, were you one of them people that when you got on a stage, your first time on stage, and she said you do 200 shows a year, that's a lot. Were you one that would that got on stage for the first time and you just knew? You know, I just 
you know, when I first started playing shows, I felt like people just gravitated towards me, but it's because I'm just a down-home Southern Kentucky boy, and I feel like, you know, people would come to my shows just because, uh, you know, I, I brought a lot of friends and had a lot of, just, everybody had a good time, and, and the more I sang on stage, the more I became comfortable with it. You know, the first show I ever played mm-hmm. live was in my hometown church, and so it's, it's no matter how bad you are, they're going to still clap for you, you know, but, you know, I feel like. I feel like, you know, over time I I, I grew um, a, a stage presence where I was confident myself. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, uh, some of those early early gigs back in 2000, you know, 2005 mm-hmm. or six, I, you know, if I were to see a video, I'd probably like hold my head in my lap, you know. But, but you know, um, <laughs> over the years I play, I play so many shows over the years. I've just, it's just been kind of, uh, just become natural these days. And so, um and just kind of go with the flow, but I remember, I remember the early gigs, man. I'd be so nervous. Yeah, I remember when we first started the show on January third. Um, I told Sandy, you know, and, and our first guest was Ashlyn Grace, really great person. And um, mm-hmm. I, I remember telling Sandy before the show started, I'm not really nervous about the talking side of this. I was like, you know what? If, if conversation goes goes quiet. I can find something to talk about. I'm I'm a talker, um, so that's not a problem. My biggest fear was technology because, you know, you don't we don't have control over that. You know, <laughs> you know. And, that's true. Uh, and, and and it's funny because I'm guessing God, fate, whatever you want to call it, heard me and said, "Well, if that's your biggest fear," because we were like we're, we're about 15 minutes in the show. We did it different at the very beginning, and then we were like three or four minutes into the interview with great with Alan, with Ashlyn, and I remember all of a sudden we're talking and it just went blank, and I'm like hello, hello, and then Sandy comes in here because we're all, we're all <laughs> on phones like you like you are, and I remember she comes in, she, she's like mm-hmm. what's going on? I, like, I don't know, and then Ashlyn texts wow, us and um, I'm not sure what happened, but I'm not on anymore for some reason. I was like, I don't know, and uh, and so we all try to figure out what the heck happened. So we all called back into the show because it it was still going on the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden we all popped in, <clears throat> and we were to finish show. But here's the funniest part about all that: uh, there's a friend of mine who's done like five or six hundred shows on this same software, and that night I reached out to him and let him know what happened. He's like, I've never heard of that happening. <laughs> you gotta so, love technology. I guess it. So I'm sitting here yeah. like, well, if it's gonna happen, it's been on us. And then, and then recently, we had two different people thought it was two different times. We had two interviews, and they both thought the same time. That was almost a big problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. So wow. yeah, uh, uh, you know we 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 kind of joke that we're gonna when you know when we're a year into this and we've done two three hundred shows, we're probably gonna write a book on this experience because it's been interesting. <laughs> it has been interesting. <laughs> I bet you've had some different. I, I bet you've interviewed some some, some strange people because I, through the years of, of meeting fans, the road, mm-hmm. not everybody's mm-hmm. normal. You know, not everybody's normal. And I've got a lot That's of true. requests. And I've met a lot of people that I just kind of felt strange around when I shook their hand and looked them in the eye. Yeah. Like, this person is right, and I just don't – I don't know. 
I just got a, just kind of, just kind of a weird feeling when you're around certain people. But I mean, I guess that's with anybody. I find yeah. everybody's, normal, but I've learned that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've learned to treat everybody that way as an artist. You know, mm-hmm. uh, no matter who yeah. they are, or, or if, they, if they do something weird around you at meet and greets. I mean, I've had all this done to me, and uh, you just kind of got to brush it off and go on. I mean, I've had so people what's ask been me some questions. of the crazy moments. I mean, I've had stalkers before. I've had. Um, oh wow. Went to a festival. Oh, wow. We went to a. Uh, one time we played a festival up in near West Virginia. It was in Kentucky, actually. Mm-hmm. It's been early on in my career, and uh, we were playing mm-hmm. in, in town, like small town square. Uh, it was like surrounded mm-hmm. by eastern mountains. And like this lady came to the front row of the stage with a mirror, like a big mirror over her head. And I was like, "What mm-hmm. is she doing?" Come um, to find out, she was a practicing witch. She lived in the woods and was a oh witch. Oh my gosh! She was trying to like wow. throw a mirror at. Her cast a spell on the band and I'm like man this is the only stuff I hear, hear about in like Netflix films this is just bizarre and stupid and, but like that's crazy people, but people were telling me after the show like the mayor and stuff was like hey that was a witch and we're, we they apologized to me all night long and we're mm-hmm. so sorry that that happened and she was mm-hmm. going to they ended up getting they ended up escorting her out of the out of the facility but you know she was trying to throw a mirror at us could cast a spell on us. I mean, we, we were told that. I'm like, this only happens in movies. What are you talking about? But yeah. Like that <laughs> that's that's a, like we had one person on the show that um, he said that his cra- one of his craziest moments was when he was into a song singing, and this guy and, and he said he didn't catch it until the guy was actually mm-hmm. on stage. He said because when you you know when you're singing you're into it. He said that the guy got on stage and apparently couldn't hear so the guy got on stage went to his speakers and turned them up wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> now, i had a guy uh, two years ago i did a show back in my hometown we do a show every year mm-hmm. every two i'm sorry every mm-hmm. two years um in my hometown i go back home and we bring everything and just shut down main street and, and bring this huge concert well my old neighbor who had seen in probably 25 years um comes to the show and, and i little did i know he, he's actually battling parkinson's disease and he has mm-hmm. he really oh, yeah. he, he can't really walk he's still he's still in a wheelchair and i didn't know this at the time he just he's he, he just caught this disease early in life it's a really sad story but he uh he came that night and i didn't know he was there until i'm performing on stage and i'm on i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of in the moment and mm-hmm. um I turn back around and he's on the stage and coming up to give me a hug. And like, oh, wow. you're talking about a guy that has wow. not walked in his wheelchair in like months. And he mm-hmm. actually stood up. He told me, he whispered in my ear that he was able to stand up out of, on his wheel, out, of, out of his wheelchair and walk up on the stage. And he just walked up and it was so awkward because I didn't expect him to, to even be there, much less he told me the story in my ears as my ear monitors are in my ears. Mm-hmm. And I was mm-hmm. like, and then I, I had to collect my thoughts for a second, and I was like, this guy has Parkinson's disease and can't walk. And for some reason, he just got out of his wheelchair and walked up on stage and gave me a hug during my song. It was weird, man. <laughs> but it's just like, wow. it's, amazing. It's, what, it's amazing what music can do to the soul, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. It you know, I remember, I remember when Zig Ziglar, before he died, um, he came to Savannah. And I remember um, – we were that we went to go see him. It was really awesome, and I remember watching him go to walk up on the stage, and he had a cane and he could barely move. And I'm and I'm sitting there like, um, well, I guess we're not going to get the Zig Ziglar that I always hear on the tapes, you know, the, the really excited guy and and tells great really great mm-hmm. stories because because he, he was barely getting up on the stage, and then he yeah. gets yeah. up there, 
he gets up there, gets in the middle of the stage, drops the cane, and then just goes back and forth and does his thing. And I'm sitting there like, how is that the same guy? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. <clears throat> But when he's in a zone, he's you know he's in that zone. Yeah, he came <laughs> alive on that stage. <laughs> I mean, no. it was it was one of the most amazing things to see because you know because you know when it comes to creative type people, whether it's speaking, whether it's artistry like you do, whether it's hosting like we do, you know whatever it is within that arena, it's like when God puts something in your heart, you can do amazing things beyond what you think that's, you can. That's a hundred percent true. Amen. And it's that passion that comes out. And like I said, you know, when he was done, who I bet he slept like a baby that night because he, he probably wore himself <laughs> out. He <I> probably did. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> what drives you now at this point? At this point in your life, you know, um, I'm still. My career is still really important to me. Um, I'm married now. I've been married for three years. My wife's very actively involved with my music career. But, you know, the fans really drive me, and uh, we still reach goals mm -hmm. every month. And, you know, I have a full-time PR team, and, you know, they work for me. And it seems like every month or every couple months I'll, I'll get, I, you know, we keep getting shows, and we keep getting, you know, great uh, just different prom pr promotions and stuff that happen along the way that builds you up a little bit more. And, Mm -hmm. You know, we we put a new record out every mm -hmm. two years, and like it seems like every year that I that I keep doing this, I get a little bit farther along, you know, to where <laughs> I really want to be. And so, uh, in the meantime, we, we you know make uh, we make a living doing what we love, and so uh, the more shows we play, the more money we make. And so that's another way that kind of in the back of your mind, you know, we all need money to survive. And and if you can do if mm -hmm. you can make money uh, doing mm -hmm. something you love, you really even work. And so, um, yep. you know, all those yeah. things kind of tied together really really pushed me as an artist and uh you know now that i have my son uh being born uh this fall you know everything i do will be for him now and so it's, it's, it's yeah. i'm really excited to see how that changes my life you know that's kind of what drives us a little bit too i remember we actually originally launched new country buzz back in 2014 i didn't really know what i was getting myself into it became so much work because back then we recorded the interviews but then we tie I, I transcribed it all up because um, I, you know, you didn't really have great surfaces like we have now, to where the sound quality can be great and all that. So it was. So I typed up everything, and I mean, it. it and when it when it's not making money yet, that's really tough to keep that thing going. You have an hour, an hour or so um, interview it takes you four hours to type it up. You know, so all right. it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. And but so by two thousand end of two thousand fifteen, we end up shutting New Country Buzz down. But it's like a piece of my heart left. And I can remember, and in fact, I tried to push it so far away that we even let go of the domain New Country Buzz. I mean, I was, I was trying to just get, get away from it that much. And I remember every six months or so, and I guess this was God prompting, I just didn't see it then. But about every six months, New Country Buzz would pop in my head. I mean, really, it popped in my head more than that, but, but it popped in my head enough to, to go and look at, I would go to GoDaddy and, oh, nope. Somebody's not bought it yet, and yeah. say, oh, nope, somebody's not bought it yet. So by the end of 2018, I'm done. I'm in the point where I'm frustrated. Nothing else seems to be working. When I mean, we tried all kinds of different stuff, nothing's working. And I, I told Sandy, I was like, I think we need, we're supposed to relaunch New Country Buzz and sure. finish what we started. I we love that we created a really good base, but thank you. 
But we created a good base back then and still had a lot of those friends on Facebook and all that. <clears throat> and it was like, um, so in the 2018, we launched that. I had no idea we were going to do a show. Then by the end of last year, Sandy, I was like, you know, we need, I think we need to go to the next level. I think we need to do a show now. And she was like, well, what do we call it? I said, what else? The Chris and Sandy show. And she's like, do you, she's like, <laughs> do you think that would really work? I'm like, well, it works for Bobby Bones. And it works for Ty Bentley, you know. That's right. Well, why can't it? Why yeah. can't it work for us? <laughs> <laughs> and so we started the name, the Chris and Sandy Show, and now you are now our seventy fourth interview since January third. Yes. So apparently we're doing something right. Yep. <clears throat> but you here? Uh-oh. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, oh, him. I think I lost you for a second. Uh, okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't hear you for a second. <laughs> That's uh, funny. We were just talking about we were just talking about technology. technology. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I know, right? It's messing with us. I was just saying that we're, <laughs> we're grateful for we're grateful for people like you guys that, that help help get our names out, and uh, you know, we, uh, we to, to build an audience and an empire, and and uh, you know, we're grateful for all these kind of interviews and. You know, it's mm-hmm. like like you said. You know, I have I have people that that don't send, don't play music that just love the media aspect of the music business. You know, just like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, have, I meet people every day that that, that move to Nashville just to write blogs. You know, and I can't even imagine moving to Nashville and not being a country artist. You know, but people come here all over, <laughs> from all over the world to, to do other things other than play guitar. And it's just like, and some people that's yeah. what, you know that's what they do. You know, what I think is so cool. So when you look back now at your career so far, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that? You know, I got to, I've got to do a lot. I've had a lot of those. Uh, you know, being from Taylorsville, uh, Louisville is um, about a half hour from my hometown. I grew up watching the Kentucky mm-hmm. Derby, which is, was supposed mm-hmm. to be this weekend, but uh, due to COVID nineteen, it got pushed back to the fall. But I've gotten to play yeah. down at the Derby. I've gotten to play my hometown uh, arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first, very oh, wow. first concert I ever saw in '92 was was Garth Brooks in the Freedom Hall, and I re- I played Freedom Hall three times. I've oh, got wow. to play all the arenas in my in my state that I grew up going to. Uh, played NASCAR races. I grew up, you know, I grew up watching on TV and open for heroes. And it's been it's been it's it's been uh, very uh, just. Uh, it's almost a blessing to know that this all started on my on a hay wagon on my parents' farm in, 0, in like '03, <laughs> and to oh, look wow. now, I'm in every single Texas Roadhouse right now. My my music is streaming on their jukebox. Uh, and, and 580 mm-hmm. Texas roadhouses all over the country right now, and it's just like to go from to, to go from playing in my parents' backyard to Texas Roadhouse nationwide is is insane. And you know, at this point, I always like to flip the script and go the other way because you know, as, as you know, there are always a lot of high moments, and <clears throat> a lot of shows they want to only capture the high moments, and really they don't have time to capture right. all the moments because they only give you 20 minutes or so. That's why we give 60, 65 minutes, whatever it takes. Um, but I like to go the other way too because, let's face it, fans and people around you, they don't understand what you really go through. <clears throat> and I'm going to lead into this with a story. Um, so where I want to go with this, and we'll talk about that. Um, we interviewed Alice Steele from Two Still Girls back in 2014 when they were actually full-time in music. And one of the questions I asked her was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? And she said that this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time. She goes, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, 
then go do that and keep music as a hobby. She goes, when you go full-time, even though it's your passion, it's now your job. You, you can't be upset. You can't, you know, right. you can have a bad day, and if you've got a gig that night, you still got to do it. She, goes, she said, me and my daughter, we have to sacrifice, but so does our families. You know, it's not just us sacrificing. Everybody's sacrificing. She goes, it, it's different when you're full-time because now you're dependent fully on this. She goes, but if your heart won't allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because the only way that it make, that the sacrifices become worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's go there a little bit about that side of it. You know, that's one thing that I tell people a lot. People, people ask me, parents will ask me, hey, my son wants to get in the music business and he start. Right, what kind of mm-hmm. advice can you give? I tell the very first thing. Uh, you definitely got to be confident in yourself. And the second thing, if, if you're, if you want, if you want to take the next step in anything, whether it's playing any gig or, or getting an online YouTube link, or you got to have a website. I think, I think if you don't have a website, like that's simple. But if you don't have a website, people can't find you. And if you're trying to get, if you're trying to get a gig, because when you when you first start out, the first thing you want to do is get a gig and see your name on a marquee sign. Well, if you don't have a website, you, you can't really tell anybody about yourself because they don't have any way to research you. And that was one thing with me in college. I, I I got a degree in web design, and it was and I kind of went to school for for that, but I also kind of went for school just for myself. And I was yeah. able to design my own website for free, so mm-hmm. I kind of knew all the little tricks in the trades to, to having a good website. And I felt like having a website early on in my career really helped change things and separated me from uh, an upcoming star to to mm-hmm. a, just a, a garage band. So, what's been like some of the sacrifices you've had to make to get to where you are now? Uh, you know that, that, uh, that, that people don't understand. You know, uh, you know. I lo- I tell you, uh, early on in my career, um, I lost a lot of uh, I lost a lot of old friends. I mean, a lot of friends I grew up mm-hmm. playing ball with. Uh, you know, all those people. It's almost like my old friends became jealous, and and uh, mm-hmm. it's it just it was a really sad story. I felt like you know, you know, I, they wanted me to not really go out and play shows. They wanted me to sit in a barn and and party with them all night long. And I'm, that just wasn't <laughs> the life I wanted to live. And yeah. when I finally, you know. When I finally uh, surrounded myself with people that really encouraged me to put chase dreams, my whole life changed, and I wow. felt like I had to go through some of those things. You know, people I grew up with that that really didn't either they didn't believe in me or they just didn't want to see me mm-hmm. succeed, and because they weren't succeeding. And I, once I finally got over the hump and realized <clears> that <throat> there's more to life mm-hmm. than hanging out in a tobacco barn and drinking beer every weekend, and mm-hmm. that's not the life I wanted to leave. And so I wanted to play music and. I felt like some of my old friends were holding me back, and I'm so glad I, I moved on from that. And it's it's you know at the same time I've made better friends. I've I've made some mm-hmm. of the best friends ever. And uh, you know, uh, but you know, I, going through that as you know an early college graduate, that was kind of hard. But um, mm-hmm. at the same time, you find out who your friends are when you get in the spotlight. You know, yeah, um, it's a very jealous business. Um, there's a lot of a lot of negativity in the business. People are gonna people are gonna hide behind screen names. They're gonna they're gonna you know uh, tell you your music's <laughs> awful. They're gonna tell you that you're terrible. They're gonna tell you everything they can tell you, and and that's just how it is. You just gotta learn to ignore it. Yeah, and, and I love that what you're saying because I think a lot of people don't understand. Like like there are people, and I cringe when I hear this, but I've heard so many people say, you know, an artist just needs to get a real job, and I've stopped people and says, look, don't tell artists that. They have, they have something better. They have a passion to live for. And I think what happens, yep. and I think this is where the jealousy comes. I think what, what happens a lot of times is 
people lose that passion for life. They lose that drive. So they get to the point to where they got this average nine to five job. So they, because they're content, they think you should be content with a nine to five. Well, what's wrong with a nine to five job? It's good enough for me. It should be good enough for you. But here's what they don't understand. I've got friends of mine that, that, that are like, say, 10 years in their career, 15 years in their career, and they went to college for this. This ain't something that they've been in um, without college. They went to college, and they're miserable. And you sit down with them, and you're like, well, you've got this great lifestyle. You've got, this gr- you know, you've got a great family. You've got, uh, you got this awesome career. And there will be several of them that will stop me and say, no, 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 that's the problem, the career. I'm like, what do you mean? You went to college for that. I thought it's your passion. Oh no, this was never my passion. I got pushed this way from my parents or my friends. This, and so now they're miserable because they're not going pursuing what they always wanted to pursue through their life, all because they listen to other people. Right. So many people are influenced <laughs> by people that should never influence them. I, I, I feel like, you know, that's with anything these days. I, I feel like you know uh, that happens a lot. Peer pressure is awful. You know, I read stories mm-hmm. all day long. People getting bullied in school, and and it wasn't like that when I was growing up. I mean, yeah, there were punks in school that you went to school with that you didn't want to be around, but you learned your, mm-hmm. you learned to distance yourself from those people. And the, it's funny yeah. though, it's funny this works out because the people mm-hmm. that were punks in school are still punks today, mm-hmm. thirty years later. Mm-hmm. Funny how you never forget it. You know, you're only as good as your reputation. I feel like if you if you screw your reputation up early, it'll stick with you forever. And that's one thing my my dad told me like, don't whatever you do like. Don't mess your last name up because when you do, it lives with you forever, and that is so true. Yeah. And you know, so many people that I went to school with, you know, tarnished mm-hmm. their reputation and their last names, and it's still tarnished to this day. And it's just, it's just a sad story. Mm-hmm. People just don't care when they're young. Yeah, and I was one of them that actually went that other way of ten years of addictions until God healed me like over twelve years ago. But the first five years of our marriage. Um, Sandy went through a lot because of that, but she never put me down or all that. She always uplifted me and sure. everything through it. So, I, you know, and people always say that she allowed me to walk over her, and I try to explain, no, she allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. And if it weren't for that, I'd probably be dead. We wouldn't have no kids. We'd probably be divorced if I wasn't dead. So, you know, I'm grateful for the way she did that. But years ago, because I went through 19 years of addiction, I was with the wrong crowd. Uh, and it's funny, a lot of the wrong crowd that I grew up with, or a lot of them go to, to the church that we go to. So you go for, uh, so some of them do yeah. change, but <laughs> but there are a lot of people, yeah, I, I get exactly what you're saying. There are people that I've reached out to like a year ago, finally found one of my old friend's phone number, and we got on the phone and we talked for a little bit. Same old person. And I'm like, how can you, how, how can you just be, I ain't talked to him in 20 years. And, and I'm like, yep. how can he be the same person? Because I was big into, like, the audio equipment, the big radio stuff, um, the cars. I had the big four twelves in the bed of a pickup truck lowered to the ground. And when me and him was talking, apparently he's still in all – and I don't have a problem with being into all that, but he was a heavy drinker like I was back then, and he's apparently he's still a heavy drinker. And, and I'm like, well, what are you doing outside of your work? And, you know, no, I'm just doing nothing. Nothing. I was like, and 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 I I don't get that because again I want to strive in life, and nothing against him. Got a good heart, but I think his priorities are in the wrong area, 
and that and you know that's something that he's got to deal with as he, I guess, gets older. But yeah, that's right. that's you're right. You you have to pull away from from the nitpicking crowd um, in life because they it's, it's like the whole. Yeah, I'm sure you've heard the crab in the bucket little thing, where you put one right. crab in, and it gets out. You put more than one crab in, and none of them get out because they each grab. If someone's trying to get out, the the other <laughs> crabs grab it and pull it mm-hmm. back down. <laughs> That's, that's so true. That's a good observation. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Well, I think that yeah, you know, I think this is perfect for the commercial break, and then we're going to come back and listen to your song straight from Kentucky. Sandy loves that song. We'll talk about how that came oh, I to be. How does that sound? Thank you. All right, hang hang in there, and then we'll be right back in after this little break. Hey everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out.
love that song. Oh, yes, as a Kentucky girl, <laughs> definitely love that song. Thank you so much. Nationwide and every Texas house right now. So it's on my new record. Awesome. I have a new record coming out, and uh, I'm on the cover of the Kentucky Tourism Visitor's Guide in about 460,000 hotel rooms right now in every rest area in the state of Kentucky. And so being a native of Kentucky, and that was a huge honor for me. I knew I had to write an anthem, and that's, that's the anthem we wrote. on my new record coming out oh, wow. uh, August 2008, 2020. That is awesome. And um, one thing I like to give you props on is, you know, when you look at a lot of the artists, it's, and if, now, granted, the smaller artists, I've noticed they do this, but the bigger artists really don't as much, except like, the, I mean, of course, your older ones like the Dolly Parton, Loretta Lynn on them, they do this, but I've noticed that people don't really give um, credit to their hometown type stuff, where they're from, the roots. Now, now granted, Darius Rucker, he does, almost every video he shot is shot in oh, Charleston. Yeah. You know he's that's so true. Uh, you know you definitely know he's from Charleston. Sure. Oh yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but I love when I when when you hear songs that really give like an anthem, like you said, to what to, to the yes. roots. I love that. We do love that. Well, I appreciate it, man. You know, I, I feel like you know Kentucky has given me such a great platform to tell a story, and you know. I've been trying to bust through for for years, and so I feel like Kentucky's really been a a good staple for me to have to be able to to, to talk about. And now that I'm on the cover of the Tourism Guide, and I mean, I've played mm-hmm. a lot of shows in Kentucky, and mm-hmm. I, my hometown, I built my home fan base there, and, and uh, I mean, it's just uh, you know, some people forget where they come from. You got to find that with me. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. Um, and we're one of the shows that um, when you look at a lot of fans and people that know you, they see you because you're the artist, but they don't really see the team behind you. We, me and you both know that you can't do what you do without all the people that surround you. Um, so tell us a, a little bit about each of the people that, you know, from your PR company to your producers to your managers and stuff like that. Tell us a little bit about each of the people that help you be who you are. Well, my PR team um, has really helped me a lot. I've worked with 2911 Media. They, Jeremy Westby and Scott and Logan, they've all been on my team. Um, they, they, they're great. They've been on my team for, I guess, a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, they're able to help, you know, uh, on the PR side. I've always been kind of I've, – I've always been pretty distinguished in PR work, honestly, because I did so much PR myself growing up, or, you know, growing my company and my brand. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was really my own publicist too, you know. But you know, I, I just didn't have all the contacts that Nashville has. But you know, I really started PR myself when I was first starting out because one, you know, I was brand new to the scene. Nobody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have any money to to really hire a PR team full time back then. And so, you know, it's been it's been nice to have some people that are already established here that have contacts that work with artists like the Oak Ridge Boys and Lee Greenwood, some, mm-hmm. of, the, some of the legendary acts. So I'm on the roster with on 2011. My producer Phil O'Donnell has been great. He, uh, him, and I started working together uh, last year. He's on, he's produced my new record. It's coming it's coming out uh, in the summer, and uh, mm-hmm. Phil actually wrote the song uh, with me. I'm straight from Kentucky. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Phil, but Phil has has written several number one hits and lots mm-hmm. of cuts. He's written a lot of Craig Morgan songs and Blake Shelton hits, yep. and and uh, he's you know uh, he's he's had a lot of success with George Strait. And so to have him, you know, to have him under my belt's been huge. And yeah. my wife helps me a lot. You know, I just I do have several people that help along the way. It's been nice to have an attorney that works me uh, that doesn't charge me a dime. 
and works oh, wow. contracts and wow. gives, me legal, gives me a legal advice. And uh, he comes to my shows and he sponsors <laughs> me from time to time. And it's, it's, it's you know, we, we have a great team around us right now. I'm very, very blessed. Mm-hmm. That that is really awesome. So, so tell you know, what do your parents think about what's going on? They're all, that's funny, man. Mom and dad, mom and mom sang in church, but dad, you know, <laughs> my my dad was into sports. My dad was a high school principal. My mom was uh, was a homemaker. Mom took care of my, uh, me and my brother growing up, and then when, when we got in college, she got she got into teaching, and so. I've been around my parents in education my whole life, and they, they're my, mom and dad are just tickled pink, man. They they just <laughs> they grin, they smile, they they try to come to the shows when they can, and they love every mm-hmm. minute of it. My mom and dad are out talking to fans and friends, and they just uh, it's funny, man. It's funny to see how they react to it because no one would have ever so tell us a tell us a mom and dad story to where they did something above and beyond. And you were like, they actually get it. They they actually believe in me, because I know you had to have a few of those moments, or at least a bunch of them, most probably. Yeah, I remember. I remember. Uh, and there's several. I mean, mom and dad really helped. Really, helped, mom and dad really helped push me to Nashville. I mean, they, you know, they all they were just like, you know, you really need to get your degree first. Because there was a time in college I was just going to quit college and move to Nashville. And my mom and dad's like, no, you're not quitting school. You're gonna you're gonna <clears throat> beat through and. And get your degree, and then you can chase your dreams and do whatever you want. So, you know, they're just, mm-hmm. they've just always been encouraging. And, you know, they they early on when I was a broke college student, they helped pay my way on, you know, getting down here the mm-hmm. first month, you know, helped move me down here. And just, they, they just, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they just backed me along the way when I first got going. You know, I didn't really have it. When I first started playing music, I didn't have a good guitar. So they bought me a brand-new guitar I could plug into a PA. Oh, wow. So they did stuff like that uh, early on in my career that really helped me. It really helped me kind of get along to the next step, and um, it's, it's just been nice to have been able now. That, now that I've we've been somewhat successful, uh, I've been able mm-hmm. to you know do things for them in return. So it's, well, it's been nice to see come full circle, and you know, mom and dad still come to the shows, and um, you know, when I'm home anyway. And so um, <laughs> the, you know, the, the, you know, it, it really it's really special when we play the big shows, like when I go back home to the state fair. And, I open mm-hmm. for somebody that's a nasty, you know, a big A-list artist. Open. That's really their big pride moment. <laughs> well, you know, and because we're like you, we're big in the family. We always allow little Chris to ask one question and stuff, so he's going to get on there with his mom. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> he's done. He gets upset when like there's been a couple of times where like where they had to leave early. And he didn't get to his question because we always do it. Usually when I bring him on, I know I've got about 15 or so, 15, 20 minutes left. So yeah. I try to bring him on right here, front again. Here he is. Here's Christopher. Uh, hi, Katie. What's your favorite food? Favorite food? Hey, Christopher, it would be tacos, man. I love tacos. Homemade tacos are my favorite. Mm-hmm. And what's I your love favorite? tacos. A pizza. <laughs> Oh, you like pizza? I can eat pizza too. Pizza. I had pizza last night. Actually, <laughs> he can eat at lunch, morning, okay, and, and dinner, and all that. <laughs> he comes and goes quick. That's great. And, and you know, when Caitlin gets a little older, the goal is to get her plugged into the show because we are a family affair here. <laughs> That's great. I love it, man. So, if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would you want to write about? Oh man, um, gosh! 
That's a good question. Um, I'm a big ni- I'm a big '90s country fan. Uh, I love Garth mm-hmm. Brooks. Of course, he, he's still mm-hmm. living and doing excellent. <laughs> but I probably like to like Garth. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not every day that you get to write with you a person you idolized growing up as a kid. And I really idolized yeah. Garth Brooks. I mean, you know, when he came out in the '90s, I was in I was in elementary school, and I remember. When he came out, like it, it changed the world, and I said, it'd be kind of neat to sit down and write with us, write a, and write a song and an anthem mm-hmm. song with him. Yeah, I like to, I just like <laughs> to see what it's like to write with somebody like him. So, what would your, um, if you were sitting down with Garth right now, what would your first question be? Gosh, it probably probably mm-hmm. be like in the early stages of your career. Like, how did you know to? How how did you break through? What, what got you? Who did you meet that helped you break through? <laughs> and and you know, I, I love. I'm sure you've probably heard this story, but I remember hearing the story <clears throat> that um there was a guy singing. Uh, one I don't know if it was the Bluebird or one of the other places. I can't remember the exact story, but I remember reading a story that there was a guy singing on stage at one of the songwriter things in Nashville, and after that song, a guy comes up to him and says, I'm in Nashville to get signed, and when I get signed, I want that to be my first cut. And that was Garth Brooks, and, that, and the song was The Dance. Uh, unbelievable, Ann. It's a crazy story. <laughs> can you, I mean, can you imagine being a songwriter, <laughs> not knowing who this guy is? Because yeah. nobody knew at that time who he was. And then, and then now to be where Garth is, uh, that, that, I mean, again, that, that's one of the craziest stories. And I've heard a couple stories like that with the big songwriters mm-hmm. that that's happened, almost the same thing. But it's really amazing. Uh, he just said, look, he heard that song. It was the, I'm pretty sure it was the dance. And, and the cool thing is the, yeah, the guy that wrote, wrote that song actually lives out here in Tybee Island, right by where we live. Well, I guess he don't now. He lives in Nashville. But, I mean, but he was from yeah. Tybee Island. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so I thought that was, you know, that was definitely a yeah, interesting. So what is your songwriting um, process? You know, I, I like to, I, I'm the kind of the songwriter that, that kind of comes up with a story first, usually a title, mm-hmm. a title that yeah. kind of gets mm-hmm. the mind going. I mean, I kind of noodle around on an acoustic, but I'm, I'm all about a title. I'm from a small town, so I write a lot about stuff growing up and, um, you know, things I've, that I've done, but I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, the, it starts with a title for me, like, you know, just different things through the years I've come up with. And usually what I'll do is I'll take it to either, uh, usually a co-writer, I'll write with a co-writer or, or three and we'll just kind of mm-hmm. go from there. Better with a co-writer that really, um, Help me just get out ideas differently because sometimes you get stuck, and a lot of times in writing performance you get stuck on bridge or stuck on a hook. And so having mm-hmm. a co-writer is really helpful. That's awesome. So of, of the songs that you've written so far in your career, what song means the most and why? Um, you know, gosh, I've written so many. Um, <laughs> Straight from Kentucky has is, is, got to be one of my most proudest. Be, just because of, of just because of what it's done for me so far, and no uh, it's been an anthem state of Kentucky, and you know now nationwide, 
It's a new song on the new record, and I got to write with Phil O'Donnell. I had never written with Phil O'Donnell before, and it's really neat to be in a room and write, and write with hit songwriters, people that have had good success. Mm-hmm. And it's just you how e- you see how easy it comes to artists that have cuts, and they just they just mm-hmm. it's almost tell you the thoughts where you can get them out of your mouth. They're that good, and so I was able to write with several, uh, you know, with, with several different um, writers, hit writers through the years. It's mm-hmm. really you know helped shape my career. That is really awesome. I love that. Um, I'm about to ask a question. I'm going to explain in a minute why I'm asking it this way. I've got a specific purpose here. Um, if you had a magic wand and what you're about to say would for sure come true, where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it this way, I have a specific purpose. Um, this past February made five years that we asked that exact same question to Kelsey Ballerini. And she is pretty much living exactly what she said. And I'm one of these people that believe that you have this vision. If you don't have it, you're not getting there anyway. But you've got to have this vision of where you're going. So if all bets were off and it would for sure work, where do you, where would you be in five years? Five years from now, I, I hope to see myself uh, definitely on, on, uh, with, with, a, with a number one single in my pocket. That, that's something I've either written or performed. Uh, that's something I've been working towards forever. I mean, since I started mm-hmm. this music business, you know, and I, I would love to have done an arena tour, uh, or you know, like be on like a national tour. That'd be like, awesome. I had maybe, maybe just coming off of a national tour, starting the second one, because mm-hmm. I've never really done that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've, I've done tours mm-hmm. myself, but I've never been on a national A-list or act where I can say like, you know, I've, I've toured with you know Rascal Flatts or whoever. And you know, having yeah. a number one song, and I feel like having one number one song would set you for the rest of your life. And so that's mm-hmm. something that is really a long term goal for me. Uh, whether I write it or record it or both, uh, that I'll take either one. That is really awesome. <clears throat> um, now you kind of said a little bit to this earlier, but I want to expand a little bit on this. Let's say you have a friend, and let's say you heard them sing. And I said they got a really good tone to their voice. Um, you, you can tell they got something special because, you know, there are people that you can tell they don't. But, but this person, they do have something special. And, let's, and this would be pre-COVID advice, of course. Um, and let, let's say that they've played 10, 20 shows. They haven't played 200 like you have in, in, in a, per year. But they've played 10, 20 shows, so they're just really getting their feet wet. But they got what every artist says. They got that stage bug. They've got on stage. And they just know this is what they're supposed to do with the rest of their life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next two, three, four years? I, I mean, just, just, I would tell people just keep, just, just hone your craft. I mean, do what you love to do every day, every night, every week. You know, keep getting better. Keep learning more songs in your arsenal. Just learn every song you can learn because when you do events, you're gonna have to play songs after songs after songs, and just learn how to write. I mean, I feel like. If you, I feel like what's helped me and the reason I'm in Nashville is because I play guitar. Like if I had to depend mm-hmm. on someone else to play guitar for me every time I had a show, I want to be the guy where they can call me, I can put my guitar in the car, drive to the gig and do it, get paid, come home. And I feel like if you got to depend on someone to play for you, that's where you kind of you lose, you get frustrated because people are going to stand you up, people are going to cancel on you last minute, people aren't going to learn your songs right. And I feel like so uh, really hone your craft, you know, get better at guitar and just learn every song you can learn. Yeah, that's really good. I, I, good advice. I remember when we were beginning this show, I asked one of my Nashville friends, what advice 
would he give us just getting started with this? And I think this is great advice for even artists too. But he said, you know, as you as you get started, <clears throat> just be authentic. He says you could be. He says let's say that you could uh, do Bobby Bone jokes and Ty Bentley jokes, and let's say you can even pull it off, and you and you could be funny like them. He says the problem is the day will come when authentic Chris comes out. He says I don't care who you are, you can't hide your authentic self forever. That day will come. The problem is when that day comes, you will lose every bit of your audience because they've been attracted to the fake you, not the authentic you. So if you're authentic right from the beginning, you'll you'll have the right audience attracted to you. That's so true. That's so true. You got to be authentic. You got to you got to have charm too. I think I think if you if you charm people, that helps too. You know, you can't be arrogant. You got to be humble, and you got to be approachable. And I feel like if you're not if you're not if you if you're if you have a chip on your shoulder and you're not approachable, people mm-hmm. will just like just go elsewhere and like other artists. You know, you so yeah. There's just in this industry that you know it's hard to stand out. But you know if you don't if you don't appreciate people every second of every day when they come talk to you, like you're just gonna get passed over. Yep. So as we come to our last question here, what is a question you kind of wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Oh, gosh. Are you truly having fun? That's important, ain't it? Yeah, it's truly important. <laughs> I feel like in the music business, like, some artists, I think, put it on that they're having fun, but maybe they're really not. Either they owe somebody money or the label won't let them do really what they want to do. And, like, mm-hmm. if I were to ask myself that, I would say, like, I live for my music career. Like, every day I wake up, I, my social media is always ticking. I mean, if, if I didn't have music right now, like, my life would be boring. I mean, it would be so boring. <laughs> and it, 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 it almost, like, it gives us a purpose. Uh-huh. And, like, people... People meet at my shows and become friends for life. It's amazing to see. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because you say that because um, this whole um, music thing just – I always joke with people and say that um, Sandy brainwashed me in all this music stuff. I mean, I always <laughs> liked music, but I wasn't a lover of music. When we first married 17 years ago, um, I was one of these people that wanted to be the motivational speaker and go that route. So I was one of them that would listen to motivational audios. That's why I like Zig Ziglar and stuff. All day long, I I could li- and I was one of them that believed that if you listen to music and not motivational audios or, or business audios, you weren't serious about your business. That's how brainwashed I was into that movement. And she we so we get married. and She's a hardcore music person, specifically country music, but but mo- but she likes a lot of different ones, but ninety percent country. And um, we were so <laughs> it wasn't long where we had where we figured out okay, this is not going to work. So we came to agreement that we do 50% music, 50% um, audios, and that worked for a while. And then all of a sudden, just little, yeah, little yeah. by little, we, I started realizing the power of music and what music really is about, and I started understanding it more. And then next thing you know, you just never know where God's going to lead because, like I said, I had this whole thing planned out. I was going to speak to thousands of people from stage. I just had to come to the realization – to drop that ego and allow God to use me in the same way, but from a different stage. So here it is. Sandy and I have built something with the Chris and Sandy show where I still get to do a little bit of motivational speak. I still, I'm still speaking. And 
Sandy part of music like she always dreamed of, and we're able to do it together. It works. That's great. Well, you guys keep up the good work. It's been great talking with you guys, and uh, I look forward to keeping in touch. When you guys get to Nashville, we'll definitely have to hook up again. (laughs) And tell everybody how they can reach you. Yeah, please uh, check us out. Google our name, J.D. Shelburne, also jdshelburne.com. Link to my Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we do lives every night on the fan page during the midst of this coronavirus. So we'd love, love to uh, reach out to you. Check us out. jdshelburne.com. We, and we look forward to bringing you back on down the road. Sounds yeah. great. Appreciate you guys very much. And we'll look you up when we come to Nashville. We will. Sounds great. All right, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye. Hey everyone. Hope you really enjoyed the show. Um, Look JD up. He's really awesome. He's definitely going places. He's got some great traction going right now. But uh, like we said yesterday, we have two shows today, and we got another one coming at four at four p.m. Eastern with Elena. And it's kind of a it's going to be a little different this time. It won't be a full because we've already done the full story with her. So it's going to be more built around her single that she just released today, and so it may be a little shorter. But anyway, we'll see you around 4 o'clock.